0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Hello, and with me, Cam Raslan. today we have the return of. He is a communication director, I think he said. Consultant. Uh, Consultant, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we were trying so hard to get it into my head. That's uh, Vernon Adrian Amon. Uh, and we have the return after a very long time been wanting to get him back on um you can hear him <laughs> a lot on clubhouse with vernon he is documentary filmmaker probably most famous for his road to nationhood series um he is Ahmad am just Hey does how are how, you guys
0: doing it's a great documentary that road to nationhood series yeah. of the documentaries yep yeah, and and other documentaries which we're going to and, put, yeah many others yeah
1: we're going to touch upon because our three topics this week are topic number one is interview techniques, uh, topic number two is hobbies, and finally topic number three three is um, meeting people on the internet. Well, I think mm-hmm. I yeah okay mm-hmm. we'll find out about swipe that. left or swipe right. yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so uh with top number one interview techniques um i'm not talking about you know interviewing somebody for a job i'm talking about interviewing people for uh, a documentary uh, for a radio documentary for what vernon does he does a lot of uh interviews for his uh channel on uh, facebook and um so the three of us have been involved with this and i i've been I've been uh, doing it for a long time. In the 1980s, I started doing uh, it. And back then on film, we were shooting on 16 millimeter film. And so a roll of film was 11 minutes and it cost 400 pounds to purchase and process that film. So every second was terrifying. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you had to, to, to make uh, decisions ahead of time and be very clear about what you're doing. But I never got it right. And then I've been doing a lot of uh, um, radio documentaries as well. Uh, so here are a couple of things, and I, and I really want to get the, the experience of you too. Uh, yeah, so there, there are two kinds of people. There are people who who have a story to tell, who know they have a story to tell, and are good at telling that story. And then there is another group of people who have a story, but they are not good at telling it. They they haven't really put it into words. They don't really they don't really want to tell people about it. And then you suddenly turn up in their lives on one day and say, tell me about the big flood of 1963, and they panic. Because especially if you're doing with film, a camera is a very intimidating thing. Yep. Uh, a, a radio microphone, if you're doing a radio doc- documentary, is much less intimidating. And uh, you can get some good stuff. But, um, I, so I, I found two pieces of technique that I, I've discovered. One is the, the conversation before the filming is incredibly important. Uh, to find out about the person, where where they're good, where they're weak, um, just become pally, and uh, and then whilst filming, I perhaps overcompensate. I do a lot of nodding, because I'm off camera, <laughs> and yep. you know the, the interview e, interviewee is there. I'm nodding and nodding, sort of trying to help them, because ju- I can't say, and you can't say, uh huh, yeah, and then you can't talk. And finally, I found that the best thing is at the very end is to say to the person is there anything you'd like to tell us and and often that can be the best stuff (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with you uh yazid because you're probably the most experienced of the three of us here and i know that for instance you you've done a documentary about the black Hawk down incident in somalia and you interviewed american ex-servicemen and malaysian ex-servicemen and i think you said to me that the americans were like they just couldn't they couldn't stop telling their story Whereas when you when you talk to the Malaysian ex servicemen uh, it was a yes, no, I don't know because they didn't want to tell their story. Um, so, uh, what what kind of techniques do you
2: use? I've always believed everyone has that story in them that they don't want to tell anyone, and and of course, as a, a, you know, it's a challenge as a f- documentary filmmaker to actually get that exactly what you experience right over the last many many years of doing that, and and I do know that. It's not just maybe because they are not able to articulate whatever they whatever they have whatever they have in their mind or whatever they felt about the in the the, the, the event or incident. So it's it's very much because they don't really trust you. Mm. Um, uh, that's that's at least my own experience. It's like they look at me and it's like, who is this guy? Yeah, why is he trying to get my story? And my story is sacred to me, you know. And and these guys are. They they, they they treasure their stories and their stories is very much uh, uh very much uh, sacred i use the word sacred because they do not want their story to be trans to to somehow uh, you know intentionally or unintentionally translated into something that they do not want to look or they do not want to see in their life and things might be misinterpreted and thing, things might be taken out of context so that they would might look bad you know, and in every story, there will be some kind of a bad stuff or bad incident. And and sometimes, you know, we all have our secrets, right? Our dark secrets that we all hold. And to be able to sit there and then knowing that 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 you about to share something with us, possibly a stranger most of the time, it's kind of like, mm, this is psychologically, I feel like, I don't want to do that either, <laughs> but why is this guy telling me the, the things that they've told me? And I would say that about ninety percent of my interviews so far, I've interviewed hundreds of people, from like the leaders of the world to like you know the Machi in campo or a mat pit that actually you know had just raced the night before. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's 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 very much um, it's very much sacred and and I think I always believe in intention the intention of the interviewer, as you sit down with them, I think you need to emanate that intention is of, I, I I, treasure your time now. And I treasure your story. Uh, I, I'm not saying that we need to say it out loud, but we I'm just saying that we need to emanate that energy, that aura of, my intention is to just tell your story to the best possibly way that I can as the filmmaker as I am now. So that I think I think with that intention it always work and I always t- I tell it to my my assistants too or to to my director if I work with a director I say you need to have that intention with you when you sit down with them treasure their time always be appreciative with them and hopefully with that intention you know you could get them to somehow energetically or oratorically or if there's a word uh, you know when, when it comes to the aura you, they, they will feel it. They will feel like, okay, this guy, I guess it's okay. Of course, there are hundreds of other techniques that I do. Like, I don't put them, only them under the spotlight. I put myself too. So mm. that means I tell my cameraman to actually light me as well, as though we are having a talk show rather than an interview session. So, uh, so that they are not going to be too intimidated that the lights are all on them.
1: Mm. So That's I, an excellent I that thing. thing.
2: Yeah, so I use that technique. I mean, again, this is experience over the years of interviewing. I know that being in the light with them will always help. Uh, and and they'll feel like, oh, okay, now Yazi in the light too. So, yeah. so okay, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, well, there, there speaks a very experienced real documentary filmmaker. <laughs> That's a great idea. With <laughs> I never thought of that. Because the first time I did an interview with a camera, I frightened the hell out of the woman. And she just, she froze. She was like almost crying. You do that to any woman, Cam? <laughs> well what can i say but, you know, and, and i felt so bad uh, but but vernon what about you what have you done on film and tv
0: um well i used to do a tv show five thousand years ago um where uh yeah there were once you know several times that there were there were guests but i guess you know that term fireside chats you know which they use for these kinds of talks where where people are talking unscripted um, I think the first thing to do in a fireside chat is to make it like a fireside chat, which is what Yazid was mentioning. And yeah, perfect. Get them comfortable. Have a, a slow move into um, the actual stuff that you want to get out of them, but let them warm up and feel comfortable and uh, feel assured and safe, you know, in your hands. Yeah, that's what, yeah. So I, so I share Yazid's points and sensitivity, I guess, to how it comes out so that when you see part of it that is really, really worth following, you know, and jumping on and following, you don't shock them into your zeroing in too much, you know. So it's a gentle, but it's not done intentionally. I think it's just from me being a busybody.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but quickly, Yazid, one more. Give me give me one more gem, one more thing that, that I okay. can learn. I can learn from you.
2: I love body language. I just love it. And the more I learn about it, the more I want to know about it. And I think body language. As uh, when I when I interviewed some of uh, our our leaders of the country, I could feel that they, at some point, when I tried to touch on, on on sensitive stuff, they starting to jitter, mm. and and I don't. I don't like that when they jitter because I know that they they it's, it's like open sesame right? It's like hey, 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 suddenly they want they want to close again, right? I'm like no no wait <laughs> wait wait wait. wait. I, I don't want you to close your sesame. You just open it. You just but these sensitive things again. I think that intention of wanting to 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 present their stories in the best best way possible. It's always going to make sure that they don't close the sesame, uh, and then um, uh, and then. Uh, is that is that what? Oh, close me?
1: I love it. In, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm mean, gonna use works that works. one. <laughs> so yeah. So, <laughs> so okay. You know,
2: I, I always try to avoid them doing this, which is a cross hand, like yeah. because I know that they are
1: they're lying, they're not
2: telling me anything. Yeah, the, even the, the, though their mouth will be saying and they're not telling me anything, because just yeah. because I can see that. And I always try to see that. Oh, do you want some water? If they do that, I just say, Oh, do you want some water? And then they then I kind of like allow them to open up their arm again and reach out full glass so that Fantastic. they are psychologically kind of a brilliant, yeah, a little bit loose, and they may come back to this, which is okay. And then I might get them, try to distract them again by saying that you know, like suddenly it's not about the topic anymore. I, I would just switch yeah. into a different topic, and I'll be back to that topic once he loosens his arms, so, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, And <laughs> if people could see what Yazid is doing, you get it, you <laughs> so get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to close Sesame on this topic and uh, and uh, we, we move on to uh, topic number two, uh, Vernon,
0: hobbies. Yes, hobbies. Yeah. Hobbies. Well, when I was asked to do this segment, I was trying to think of something that nobody talks about anymore. And the thing that came to my mind was the word hobbies. Not that people don't have it, but we don't seem to use the word anymore. And it made me want to think like, how come we don't hear that word being used? Like my hobby is, or what are your hobbies? You know, like in opening conversations with, uh, with uh, new friends or, you know, somebody you just met. Um, I remember a long time ago, that was one of the first things you'd put in your pen pal entry form, right? Um, <laughs> your hobbies. So the word hobbies has number one, become an anachronism, if that's the right word. Number two. Maybe the nature of hobbies is now different because life is so completely complicated and filled with so much activity that maybe most of us have actually turned our hobbies into, you know, um, a second revenue stream, you know, like, like cooking, baking, etc. Um, so we don't refer to them as hobbies because hobbies are things you do when you have free time and you do it not to get paid, Right. But because the world is more complicated now, you need to perhaps maybe make every moment count. Most of us have turned, what we like to do for pleasure, have been able to, in a way, restyle it so that it actually gives us a second revenue stream. Or it seems weird to call it a hobby. Like for instance, the thing that I do for pleasure and I don't earn money out of, which I do every day, is I walk five kilometers. Is that a hobby?
1: It was once upon a time. It was, I think.
2: <laughs> right, I do sailing now. Is that, <laughs> that considered a hobby?
1: Well, yeah, because uh, Yazid, when uh, Vernon said that he doesn't do, no one does hobbies anymore, you said, I do. Uh, what do you, what do, you do? I do?
2: I sail. I sail every weekend. I don't get paid for it. I have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, sailing is a good,
0: I mean, like, hobby would best describe it, right? Because it's not what many people do. So, like, not everybody collected stamps or collected coins you know mm. whereas like walking or badminton now most people many it's common it's common kind of commonplace you know yeah, so yeah. would you say walking yeah. is a hobby but sailing yes
2: that it, seems mm. to be right
1: what were what were hobbies back in the day you didn't go sailing back when you were like 13 <laughs> i know you didn't yes <laughs> i
2: i play with my dad's editing machines so that's how I learned filmmaking. So, okay. um, and I, I, I used to actually do a white balance on his cam- camera and he would just say, okay, make sure that you white balance it. I'm going to go and film shooting, you know, in the next one hour. So you white balance it for, m- for me. And then I, I would just go, I love to press those buttons on, the, on, on my dad's camera. Back then he had a smaller one and then he moved to the better cam, which is a huge one, one on the shoulder. When he got the broadcasting job, so and then I used to like to edit from tape to tape for him for his corporate videos. I had this small dongle thing; they call it a jog shuttle, and with the you know character generator, which is the title thing. So that w- that was me when I was little. So I, I wouldn't say this it's definitely a hobby. Yeah,
0: this wasn't a hobby. This was an apprenticeship. This yeah. was
2: <laughs> this was your dad <laughs> luring you
0: into child labor apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I always say that he's, he's yeah, I yeah. was a child. Yeah.
1: So while Yazid was making Citizen Kane at the age of seven, um, what oh, no. what were you doing, Vernon?
0: Yeah, so so uh, exploring this topic made me remember how when I chicken boxed, I was actually soaking my stamps uh, to separate the stamps from the envelope paper. Do you remember that? Yeah. And putting it on a that? stove, uh, hot water kettle over the kerosene stove in order to dry the stamps.
1: Kerosene stove. How old are you? Uh, (laughs) 5,000
0: years old. You must be over over a whale oil lamp.
2: Where were you to start? (laughs) Oh, God. And
0: that was a very middle class thing, you know, in the 60s in Malaysia. Yeah, so I'm that Uh, old.
1: Okay, well. I my hobby and I loved it so much was making uh model airplanes little you know plastic model airplanes. Um I was very bad at it and by the end of it it would just be <laughs> it would just be some sort of bits of metal encased in in a kind of uh, glue ball. It could have been my 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 footballs <laughs> could have been used as a football. Um but I do remember uh it, on one single day and I think it was a Tuesday when puberty hit me and it was like bang girls and um i never <laughs> ever made another model ever again it, it just suddenly seemed,
0: you used to date them instead
1: <laughs> it was like the most uncool thing imaginable you don't see, you don't go to a, you know, do you, you know do you want to come and see my uh you know Admor- <laughs> battleship <on And> <laughs> <model>. <laughs> so
0: so i guess like anything puts you into a flow mode if you know what i'm saying you go into a zone mm. and i guess that's what good hobbies do for you
1: yeah maybe and maybe that maybe, maybe that is part of the definition of hobby it is something which is very much you do on your own where solitude becomes a very enjoyable thing
2: yeah you're right yeah, yeah i guess yeah
1: you don't go i mean football you don't do football as a hobby i don't think because it's like too many other people
2: yeah i don't associate football with a hobby yeah. No. yeah
1: yeah okay well um we're going we're to move on though and talking about hobbies of the past we're going to come right up to date. Um, uh, <laughs> by talking about uh, meeting people on the internet here on A Bit of Culture BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, Ahmad Yassid, and Vernon Adrian emong So, topic number three is well, this is a very up to date topic, and uh, we've not done this before, but we should have done. Uh, yazid meeting people online.
2: Yes. Okay. So, it's not about so much meeting people online because we do that all the time but meeting people online and exchanging ideas and thoughts with people who might not in tune with you. Okay, I I just want to be open. I was on Tinder, uh, but I've started to, I think uh, when MCO happened, I started to swipe girls that I would never have swiped before. And these are the girls who wear to the hijab girls. And when I started, you know, doing MCO last year, the first one, I was was really boring. I, I started to actually, yeah, of course, match with a few of them. And I start to talk to them and text them, and some, some, you know, some of them I actually was on the phone. And I start to realize that wow, uh, I would never have met these kind of girls if it not because of this app and this dating app. And and not just that, I realized that we are worlds apart. I mean, not with 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 many of them, and and not 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 really all of them, but many of them. It's like the way they think about things like life or relationship or marriage or children or even even and the worst is religion faith then i have a lot of clashes with them when it comes to faith and beliefs of course with other apps as well that are available on the internet like the read like the voice app that we have right now like clubhouse and twitter space and stuff so i start to actually talk to people who i have i will never have met in my in my social circle never because it's just impossible. Uh, People that I I actually had, I actually had an argument with someone who said that it's okay to be corrupt, bad, you abuse your power, anything that you can think of as a bad person in power and abuse all his powers, as long as you are Muslim. (laughs) So, and I got into this whole issues with them and I I put them two, two people side by side. I said, there are two people One is a person who's righteous, who's really honest and he doesn't abuse and he's not corrupt, yada, yada, yada. And one is corrupt, everything bad that you could think of. But the good guy is non-Muslim and the bad guy is Muslim. Which one would you vote as your leader for your country or for your community? He said, Yazid, you are Muslim. You have to vote the Muslim guy. Even though he's bad, he will repent. Trust God that he will repent. We just have to live through uh, his abusers because he will end up with in heaven with them, and I say that. How about this good guy? Isn't he like a good? You no, know, he. We should elect him because he's good. And then you said, like, no, 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 because he doesn't say the shahada. So therefore, he could do everything that is right and good on this earth he still should not lead you because just because that one reason that i find that is just appalling so i start to use the word stupid are you out of your mind and stuff like this and then i realized that wow this is what's amazing about internet it's like it tests my patience (laughs) i think it's a very very spiritual space (laughs) it's a spiritual (laughs) space i feel because because it really trying to show you how you're going to have to tolerate with people with differences from uh, with you i think this fascinates me Cam, and i i'm sure sure you guys i
1: I know i'd like i'd like to to go into it a bit more but can i just point out that that you yazid on this show back in the day back in the past have uh open sesame about your quite radical you know very close to being super radicalized past um you once upon a time would have said exactly the same thing Yep. So that's
2: what yeah, that's why I I I, I tuned down a little bit after a while. But the fact that Oh I I, I, I need to go that, back you know, to that program. I need to go back to that program <laughs> to look at that was that, in yeah. 2015, I think. Ken. Yeah, 2014.
1: That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> good though. It's
2: good. Uh, uh so, yeah, what, what do you guys think about that? Like do you meet people who just you would never meet, but online you just triggers you in that way and I, I don't know i mean it was fascinating for me. Yeah.
1: well these are people you actually spoken to You've spoken to on the phone or is this all typing typing
2: this is uh, this is all, this is the clubhouse that voice all right so voice, it, yeah, it voice is a, app, the, it's a
1: conversation yeah. of sorts
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: uh, i don't know vernon what about you
2: well
0: um, uh, what about me have i met people like this uh, online and how do i deal with it i think uh, i think we need to be i think we need to accept the fact that all of us are triggered in some way or other. And if we're going to um, encounter somebody who is uh, trigger happy on issues that really trigger us, right? the best way to actually encounter them is online. So at Mm -hmm. least there is that distance. um, So you don't reach out and punch the other person's face or spit at them or or they don't do that to you. And perhaps maybe the online environment facilitates that exchange much better than anything else because it's so easy to walk away. Um, But in an online interview, you can switch it off, of course. But somehow, because you feel safer, you might then carry on, I think. So that's my thoughts on it that uh, the online encounter actually allows for that kind of encounter to go to a further limit than a real life encounter. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I would say, Yazid, um Yazid, first of all, every day I thank the Lord that I'm married. So the, the, the Tinder, <laughs> why, thing, is that? Sorry, why is that?
0: Continue. Well the whole
1: the whole Tinder, you know, he dating tell, thing. Yeah, you can't
0: tell <laughs> the different between okay. left and right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just like, oh you oh you poor thing, Yazid. Um but <laughs> it's tiring
2: actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't say much on the internet because i think there's a particular kind of language uh, yeah. that younger people are much better able to speak than my generation because perhaps we wish to get involved in a conversation in a dialogue and in a discussion mm. whereas i think the internet actually for young people has become something where you can just make a statement you can say things and and they know how to say things in such a way that you know if you say something stupid the young person can come back with you know either the meme or a joke or something which is funny and put down but it's the end that's 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 the end of the conversation stop it there it does not invite further discussion and um and I and I can't speak that language so uh, and I don't I don't want to get involved in uh, I, you know the these uh, you know these converse these discussions where you you, especially typing ones, you type, 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 and it's like mm. people just talking at cross-purposes and, and, and just getting more and more enraged. But I think, though, Yazid, what you're saying, though, is what is exciting, though, about the Internet is you can meet a range of people that you would not meet in your normal social circle. And that's, yes. that is exciting.
2: Mm. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's yeah. not about that only, Cam. It's about acknowledging that we have differences in, in, in this world you know yes. and 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 not that we don't want to be them you know they are bigots in our society they are extremists they're someone who may want to blow something up like you know like the like the Syrian fighters or you know the uh, so you know, but they exist in our society and that's what fascinates me and of course I get triggered but at the same time when when I look back I'm like okay maybe I had a such an experience I used to think like that and then I and then suddenly it was just turned into sympathy and kind of like, okay, how do I move forward with these guys that I really that triggered the s out of me, right? But I have to move forward with them as a, as a, as a, as a nation. As, as fellow Malaysian, they have same stakeholder, which is one vote as me. It's not like they have two votes, I have one vote. So they are also equal stakeholder than with me in this nation, Malaysia. Yes. So I want to find that strength. I want to be able, you know, and not now, maybe I'm, I want to work on it, but I want to be able to find that strength to really move forward with these guys, regardless of how they think or whatever bigotry mindset that they they carry with them or they they, they show to anyone. So yeah, I think that's what fascinates me. That's what I want to work on.
1: Yeah, but can obviously. I ask? Can I ask the what what kind of age are we talking about? Is this people younger than yourself?
2: Uh, I I'm about my age. Uh, late thirties, yeah, early forties. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, Could it be- can be older people. Uh, um, uh, can yeah. because yeah. because only just yesterday evening. Um, I actually had an encounter with uh with a man who's old enough to be my dad. And uh it was based on basically our positions on Surani Eurasian. So there you go. Um, you see, the thing, the thing about it is that the internet, while it actually provides you a space where you can feel safe even when you throw stones or even when you uh say something that can antagonize somebody else, right? Uh the fact of the matter is um It allows for you to feel safe if you want to prolong the discussion so that it can be a nuanced one, so that you can really deep dive, you know? Hmm. I think, uh, while I I take on board what you said about the memes and the the ability to just dismiss the conversation with one gesture or one posting or one comment, you know, and that comment could be a swear word or an ad hominem. But even when you receive that one short burst, you can hold your ground and you can take it and actually treat it with respect, you know, such that the other person then is seen to be unreasonable and the audience around you
1: mm. can see that Well, I, I'm talking about the endpoints when, when actually what they say is actually genuinely funny. I mean, it, it may not be what I agree with, but it's like, it actually is a good use of wit. Uh, it's like, okay, what can you say? If if I come back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seem like the, the grumpy old uncle that I am. Um, but we're going to, we must close Sesame again on this this topic and uh, good luck, Yazid. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank
1: you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we come to the final part of the show, recommendations. We recommend something that we think might be of interest and I go first. Uh, my recommendation is a TV show um it's American it's called only murders in the building and it's uh it's a half hour kind of comedy show uh, about um about, about people trying to create a podcast about murders that are happening in their New York apartment block and it stars Steve Martin uh Martin short oh, nice, and um Selena Gomez who is um, Eurasian, Eurasian from um you know, <laughs> you, you know the gomez it's just outside Malacca um so if you look at her it's like this girl's malaysian <laughs> um and um yeah
0: she does yeah well yeah. <laughs> no, gomez is a very familiar sarani surname so exactly
1: exactly and uh so uh only uh murders in the building is really funny it's very funny it's very clever it's um it's just a really good show oh, it's, it's so. very satisfying and it's um it's that kind of slightly feel-good thing that that I personally need in this day and age. Uh, I don't need the heavy stuff. <laughs> yes, <it>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, so that's my recommendation. At your your local internet providing service. Yes, Okay I know what you mean. What only murders? Only
0: murders in the building.
1: That's correct. Yeah, it's really good. I think you'd like it, Vernon. And so that's my recommendation, Vernon. What's yours?
0: Um, Actually, uh, in light of our discussions about interviews and, uh, you know, encountering detraction um, from listeners and people in front of us, it's a program on um, Australian Broadcasting Commission, ABC, Question and Answer. And it's been one of the most popular talk shows, you could say, on television, which is now, of course, also available on the internet. So you can actually, um, you know, do a search on YouTube and they do a live streaming once a week. Uh, a very good moderator and always always they try to have a really good mix of people who very often right disagree with each other. So um, I guess you could say I learned a lot of my moderation practice by watching that and how people deal with it. And yeah um, a lot of good topics it ranges from the arts to politics to you know the most recent uh, topics of the news of current affairs in Australia but excellent stuff and very diverse. Very, very diverse panel, yeah.
1: So that's Q&A. Yeah, and it's been going since the beginning of time. It's a real Australian institution. Yes, yes,
0: it's been on for many years. Their first host was Tony Jones, who did it really well. And now they've still got very good moderators and facilitators, so do check
1: Mm. it out. It it actually is an important show in Australia. People actually do care what's said on Q&A. Yes, Um, yes,
0: it has got a lot of credibility.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that's Q&A and, uh, or Q&A. And finally, Yazid, what's your recommendation?
2: I mean, since we were talking about hobby and told you that I I love sailing and I go sailing almost every weekend, there's this YouTube channel called Sailing Zatara, Zach, A-T-A-R-A, Zatara, Sailing Zatara. And it's about a family of five or six, used to be six, but now it's five because one actually went to college. Uh, they started sailing uh, from Florida uh, and they just went around the world. And uh, so they, are uh, uh, two of them and and four kids. And uh, what I love about it is not it's not really about the sailing. I think I began to love the family because they're like a redneck family, like, you know, a bit of a rural area of America guy, like family, but you know, but they attempt to really look at the world through sailing. Uh, you know, and they have, you know, they still a little bit of a um, of kampong a bit, <laughs> kampong American. But uh, but but at the same time, I think they they, they have evolved uh, over the years. Um, they start in twenty sixteen. Now they they are on their fifth year of sixth year, and now they are they are on a passage from Australia to Maldives, about twenty one days sailing, uh, straight. So. Um, so what they do is they just show a bit of a methods on what sail to put up or what kind of a issues they had with the with their with, with their the ships or with the, sorry with the catamaran which is a multi hull, uh, and then uh, a little bit about them sailing. Maybe they see a very rare species of shark in Australia, and then now they are attempting to uh, go to Maldives because the Maldives open for visitors. And then now I'm looking forward to their next one, their next uh, episode, which is a YouTube channel. They have hundreds of episodes, but I think this is a, the, I think in the next few weeks, they'll get to Maldives and they'll post up about them sailing around Maldives or anchoring and living there. So they live in this two multi-haul uh, boat, about 55 foot, I think. Uh, and then that's, that's their life. That's their, that's all they got you Know and they, they just love it, and then I, you know, I, that's something that I would love to do too in the near future is to circumnavigate the world, uh, with a friend of mine. So, but uh, but yeah, but not so soon. So, oh. yeah, check it out, sailing Zatara YouTube. So, they,
1: they've actually already been around the world once, or
0: no, not yet, almost, almost, yeah, right. And they're sailing around the world, family of five on this double, hull.
2: <laughs> to sail around the world. They haven't actually made the Right. Yeah. yeah. Circumnavigation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Could you have done Definitely. that with your family, Yazid?
2: I don't have one.
1: You don't have I a mean, family.
2: I, do. I, I don't. I have my parents, but I.
1: Yeah, but could you imagine uh, going on a boat with your with your parents absolutely. around the world? You could. If
2: they're up for it. I'm up for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
2: We. I, and I, also the fascinating thing it's about their homeschool. The 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 the, the mom homeschool the kids and the kids graduated. <laughs> Okay, oh. this is fine, yeah. But I think there would be an issue of them getting back into society with these kids because they're growing up in a boat. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm looking well, forward to see in the next few years. I think they'll they just have, have
0: sea legs. That's all. They'll be wobbly in their walking. <laughs> yeah, mm. but I think I think socially because of the internet and because of how the whole world is going, you know, um, we're all socializing online and virtual. Yeah, yeah, and and making these making these relationships
1: with people like this, you know, you you have a relationship now with this family who are sailing towards the Maldives. And I think, yeah. we, do you know how many subscribers they have? That Is isn't a lot? Uh,
2: about over a hundred mm. thousand. I've about two three hundred thousand subscribers. Right.
0: Like, we're, all, we're all bought at home. We're all bought at home in this pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if it had been
1: me and my family it would have been mutiny on the bounty within like one day, it would have been, <laughs> it, would have, it would have been bad. Um, so what's the, what's the name of the channel again?
2: sailing zatara z-z-a-t-a-r-a zatara
1: yeah, I presume that that's the name of their boat zatara is it
2: uh that's the name of a i think a a a, a movie character that they love i don't know i think oh, from some okay yeah.
1: <laughs> all right zatara. all right so when you do the sailing good. you're gonna do the same thing aren't you is yes it, yeah? i'm
2: gonna feel myself i'll do it around the boat. cool checking cool. out some chicks i don't know maybe
0: oh so this is is when your hobby becomes a stream an income stream so there you go yeah that's (laughs) true yeah it's not not hobby anymore is it um okay well that brings us to the end
1: of this week's show and uh and what has been a mantle it's a mantle uh what what can i say and uh uh, only remains for me to thank uh vernon adrian amon
0: thanks gam thank you good one
1: thank you vernon and Thank you, uh, Yazid. on Yazid. Thank you so much for coming back, and we're going to have you on again. I hope. And um, sure. uh, well. uh, well. can I ask you one question? Sailing is that's not that's not a cheap pastime, is it? That's not a cheap hobby. Uh,
2: well, I'm, I sail on a, like, a, like a like a like a like a they call it coastal boat, coastal sailing boat. So it's a cheaper version, but the big bo- the big ones are expensive, and I don't I have those boats. <laughs> I don't right. have that boat. Yeah, but oh, the yeah. maintenance is expensive. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, well, uh, thank you very much, and um, uh, thank you, and please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM
0: 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.